0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Seek Outside podcast. My name is Dennis and today Kevin, yes Kevin by himself because, well, I missed out, is joined by Rachel Schmidt, the Director of the Montana Office of Outdoor Recreation. Rachel and Kevin go in-depth on what outdoor recreation means at the state level, how it is tracked, and what it means for the economy. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Rachel Schmidt. Hey, this is Kevin with the Seek Outside podcast. Today we have Rachel Schmidt with us. How are you, Rachel?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you?
0: Good, good. You know, I will admit it. I was actually loading up my car to go fishing uh, about 10 minutes ago um, because, and I know we had stood you up (laughs) one time on a podcast, but I thought then I thought I heard Dennis mention I need to reschedule it next week. when I was at the shop the other day. So I thought this had been rescheduled for the normal Tuesday he's been doing stuff. So I was all loading up my car, just getting ready. And my phone comes up and says, "Podcast, you know, in eight minutes. And I was like, whoa, I can't stand Rachel up again.
1: <laughs> Although if it was for fishing, I absolutely would have totally understood and been totally okay with it.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay. But I would feel really bad about that. <laughs> So anyway, you know, I went on a really long hike yesterday and my calves are killing me. So I figured waiting in a really cold stream will help. Nice. So that was that was the reason. That's I was good like strategy. Yeah, it'll be like ice, right? Um yeah. take a down day. So anyway, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, my name is Rachel Schmidt and I currently professionally am the Montana Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation. I am the director of that office and actually helped the governor create that office three years ago.
0: So what do you do in that role? Is it, uh, like I, I, know, I know Lewis, right? It was, it was similar um, in Colorado. I know. I guess it's Nathan, Yep, or Nathan, or yep. yeah. Yeah. I I don't know him, so I've never had any contact with him. But Lewis came to our uh, shop one time, and we had a conversation. We went through and kind of kind of showed him around and talked about a bunch of things. But what what does working under the governor as the director of the Office of Outdoor Recreation what does that entail?
1: Yeah, so this is a, it's a big umbrella, but I can summarize it, I think, pretty effectively. Um, so it's my job to grow and enhance the outdoor recreation economy. And that economy, as I define it, and you'll have to, if you hear some like jingling and stuff in the background, I've got a new baby bird dog, um, German wire hair that is racing around my house, so I have to forgive that. Um, so the outdoor recreation economy is are the, you know, gear and goods manufacturers like yourself at Seek Outside. There's also the um, experience manufacturers. So I would qualify you guys as being that direct core industry that is the outdoor recreation industry. And then surrounding the outdoor recreation industry, you have this really um, like individual DIY experiential based economy which is all of us out there doing what we love to do. And so whether that's a resident of our state and we're out recreating on rivers, we're out climbing mountains, we're out hunting, we're out fishing, or if it's us going to a different state and participating in what we would call our, you know, non-resident travel um, portion of tourism. um, That is the kind of the core economy of the outdoor recreation. Um, the core outdoor recreation economy Um, and the Office of Outdoor Recreation um, actually Utah was the very first um, Office of Outdoor Recreation quickly followed by Utah Washington and then Montana I was the fourth office to be created in the US there's now I believe 19 of us across the United States we are not bound by geographic region or by political party you are finding offices of outdoor recreation in in you know, Democratic states in Republican states, all over the place. Um, also in the north, south, east, west, all over the place. But how I can kind of summarize it in kind of a, a, a rough parallel would be that you know, at the turn of the century or before, as state economies really morphed and shaped together you know, a lot of people found that, you know, agriculture, very important part of a lot of states' economies. So oftentimes there was a department of agriculture um, developed within those states. And it's their job, just like it's my job, to look through everything through the lens of outdoor recreation, whether it be existing state agencies, federal-state partnerships, um, economic development issues, so, looking at everything only through the lens of outdoor recreation to make sure we're doing everything we can to support, grow, and enhance that segment of our economy. And so, um, yeah, we I, I I work directly. All offices are structured a little bit differently, but by and large, we have a lot of common, um, you know, goals. Um, we have a lot of common uh, issues and topics we work on in our states. Um, we actually have what's called the Confluence of States, which is an organization of all um, signatories of the Confluence Accords. Um, and that helps us work together to share best practices or work together on national issues um, as it affects outdoor recreation on the ground. And a lot of times, you know, we talk about outdoor recreation for sure. And, you know, it's it's a segment of our economy But we really look at outdoor recreation, there's very unique infrastructure that go to support that segment of our economy. And that is our vast open spaces, whether they be public or private access. So open spaces, Um, healthy habitats, healthy mountainsides, healthy habitat, healthy water, and then also the access to those, whether they be formal or informal, part of the infrastructure. So we've got trailheads, parking lots, campgrounds, um, you know, trail systems. So it's not just about the, you know, infrastructure that we create with our hands and shovels and picks and pavements. It's also about that broad landscape that supports us all going out and doing what we're doing. So oftentimes when, you know, different, segments of the economy will talk about the infrastructure that supports them when i talk about the infrastructure that supports the outdoor recreation economy it's it's that that i was just talking about so it's a it's a little bit different beast
0: now correct me if i'm wrong here because i'm probably going to say some things that aren't quite correct or are ill-informed just consider me kind of ignorant but a few years ago there started to be a tracking of the jobs in the economy much more um, along the outdoor recreation side. Yes. And that helps to validate the importance of the public lands and the places to recreate um, to the decision makers as well. Correct. So it really helps conservation in that way. If you say, look, Mm -hmm. we have, 24 million people coming to Montana using these public lands, Mm -hmm. they, you know, for hunting, fishing, rafting, skiing. And we have all these manufacturers, this economy, you know, because so often it seems like government has said, well, what about the big three automakers or what about wall street or whoever? Right. Mm -hmm. And they haven't really paid attention to that. There is a lot of money spent, in going outside recreating vacationing in beautiful places and stuff like that is that a pretty correct statement
1: oh my gosh yeah it's very correct and that's the thing for those of us who and i have kind of a broad background in history in the outdoor recreation you know economy in my career but we've always known that, A, recreation is intrinsically good for us. It is healthy for us physically and mentally. Having healthy habitat for animals and wildlife is intrinsically something we should have. And that it's it's good for us. We enjoy being out, you know, whether it's wildlife watching or hunting, right? We just know all of this is really good. But we know that, like, so many of us for so many years have been making a great living, doing what we're calling recreation or participating in this recreation economy. But up until I believe starting in 2017, we didn't have numbers to put to that. We, it was, you know, there was rough, um, you know, outdoor industry association would put together their economic statistics um, on consumer spending as it relates to that same with the national shooting sports foundation, what parts of the economy were touched by and contributed to as far as, you know, hunting and fishing goes, Um, you know, with with different, you know, shooting sports foundation and stuff like that. So we've had all of these rough numbers, but what happens inevitably is that when you talk about consumer spending, say with policymakers, as it impacts that, it's like, oh, it's just another trade organization, you know, touting, you know, what they do and how they're important and flexing their muscles. And well, we don't have, that's not really verified information. You know, they're just inflating things. And it was like, oh, well, if that's how you're going to play, you know, everybody was getting better and better with their numbers. So in 2017, was it sixteen or seventeen? Sorry, my years are wrong. There was passed what's called the Rec Act, and that basically required the U.S. government in the Bureau of Economic Analysis (BEA) to go in and actually calculate numbers. So, if we know what you know, what contribution, say agriculture or timber, which are other renewable, sustainable, you know, forms of, of the economy, you know, what can they? What do they contribute? Um, you know, to the economy from the BEA, we're going to have the same information. So I believe it was Valentine's Day in 2018, super awesome. We got um, information as it relates to the U.S. economy, what part of the U.S. economy has contributed to outdoor recreation. And we found out that 2.2% of the U.S. Of the US GDP is directly linked to outdoor recreation. And you definitely need numbers to compare that to, to really understand like uh, how big is that? And so we were able to compare that. So outdoor recreation contributes twice as much to the U.S. economy as the U.S. pharmaceutical market or twice as much to the U.S. economy as the automotive industry. So this is a significant it's a and what is called is a satellite account. So you have your core, I believe, 72 segments of your your gross domestic product. And so a portion of that is contributed to recreation. So we got all that information. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. So we're not just talking about we love this. This feels good. We know this is right. We know that this is a, a, not only a part of our economy, it's a part of healthy communities. It's a part of economic diversification. Like we know this intrinsically, but we've got the numbers. And that's the thing is we have to be able to talk apples to apples. So if decision makers and lawmakers and policy creators and sculptors, you know, they're used to talking about jobs, taxation, they're used to, you know, consumer spending, we need to speak the same language as they do. And so now we have those tools. And not only do we have that, that, you know, information on the national level, this year, they gave us the gift of a state by state breakdown. So for me in Montana, 5.1% of Montana's gross domestic product is contributed to outdoor recreation. So understanding, you know, how this plays an integral part in our economy. And this is, um, you know, this is amazing economic diversification for so much, not, you know, all over, you know, but especially in the West. And it's this beautiful symbiotic map when you look at the different layers and the different things that they measure. There's not a single portion of the United States that is not very significantly impacted. So for those of us in the West, so you're down in Colorado, I'm up here in Montana, and we are so rich in experience. We're rich in experience. We have the going and the doing and just the the amazing open spaces and the vast tracts of public land or, you know, block management, public private partnership, national parks, and you have many manufacturers for sure located here. But then you think of like, oh, well, certain parts of the U.S. might not have that. But what they have is the big time marine boat manufacturing. They've got the, you know, big manufacturing stuff. So you have this cool relationship between, say, the Midwest states or some coastal states that maybe aren't so rich in the the aspirational, inspirational experience but they're making the stuff that people are using in the states that are rich in the experience, right? Like RVs. Exactly. So it's this really cool, like the states that are really heavy in this economic number here might be lower in others. But then it's flip-flop for other states. So there's this amazing symbiotic relationship, just like I was talking about. We need each other. We need each other. And that's where this awesome, great collaborative um, energy, as always with recreation, really when we get down to it, is we got to work together because this is a fabric of a healthy economy across the United States. Yes, it's about how it's, it, you know, in our, I'm looking at Montana, but I'm also looking at, well, you know what? Montana's economy might not be thriving so well if X, Y, or Z in the United States is not healthy. So it's not just a myopic what's going on in my state, it's definitely what's going on in the entire country that impacts cross, you know, cross connectivity. Mm-hmm. So having these numbers from 2018 to 2019 going into these things, this is fantastic. And this is where, you know, we understand, like, how have we been supporting the infrastructure our public lands, for, for example? How have we been supporting that traditionally? Are we, you know, we are taxpayers in the outdoor recreation industry. Are our taxes being proportionally reinvested into what we call our infrastructure? Um, you know, how can we look at that? And it's manifesting itself right now with the Great American Outdoors Act, we have now economic numbers that we're putting we're, we're seeing now this, this, pro, you know, Great American Outdoors Act, probably one of the most significant pieces of legislation that's going to pass in our lifetimes talking about recreation infrastructure and the maintenance of that. And you know, so long ago, and I've always, for the last three years, have really tried to help people understand if we're gonna talk apples to apples, taxation, jobs, all of these different components, and we're gonna talk um, infrastructure, we talk maintenance, right? You have to maintain your infrastructure. And along the lines of how we morphed along, we call the maintenance of our infrastructure, stewardship and conservation. So when you have companies out there talking about, we need to support conservation, we need more conservation. Now it's, it's helping policymakers that aren't entrenched in this understand, oh, when people say conservation, what they're talking about is maintenance of infrastructure. And so it just helps, you know, frame up the conversation in different ways that people have not thought about. And I think that that has significantly resonated or, you know, resonates with, With our with our lawmakers, and we're seeing it as we speak right now.
0: So at 5.1 percent of Montana's GDP Mm -hmm. is that must make you feel good. You must go and be like, see, I told you I was important and what I was doing, you know.
1: It's, you know, it's very, and that's so much of, you know, a lot of what I do is helping people understand all the pieces of the conversation. And it's educating everybody and to have these amazing tools. And, you know, our our trade industries have been working so hard for so many years to get these numbers. But it's just, you know, we're growing and we're just now getting these tools in our toolbox to help the conversation. The conversation that isn't necessarily different, but we're articulating it in a different way. And I think that that's making all the difference. And we have to continue to work at it very hard. We need more information. What does our return on investment look like in comparison to other things? Like this is how we are standing up and saying, no, no, no. What we care about matters. Having this healthy habitat in this vast ecosystem over here It's not just for the fish. It's not just for the birds. It's not just for the mammals. This is what supports a beast of a powerhouse of an industry in this country.
0: And it's also, excuse me, and I mean, if I say something wrong, because I'm not near as well versed as you are in this, um, please correct me. But it's also highly diversified. It isn't so much one or two big players. And it's like, Mm -mm. well, if something happens, we have to prop these guys up like they're too big to fail or whatever. No, it's 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 a big economy that is small companies like Seek Outside, bigger companies like, um, you know, Sitka and MR and people going and buying stuff and outdoor stores and guides, river guides, hunting guides, climbing guides, ski places, right? Yeah. All of that. And so it's not one of those things where like with the big banks or – with the automakers or with someone where it's like, Oh my God, this industry is, you know, we gotta, we gotta prop it up cause it's too big to let this one. And to me, you know, I hear a lot of people complain about socialism, but that seems like corporate socialism to me when we start to build up a one industry or one company, because we've decided that they're too big. Um, although I don't really want to get into the politics part. Um, now, on the Montana front, I have quite a few friends in Montana. I have quite a few friends in Alaska. Probably I have more friends in those states than I do here. Um, so I get to see all y'all's social media feeds pretty frequently, right? Um,
1: right. And you, you know that my motto is, my life is better than your vacation. Yeah. I like to rub that in saltily to everybody.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I could probably could do the same for <laughs> a few people. Um But I also know you have some politicians that seem to not be friends of the conservation crowd um, or some people running for office as well, right? So how does that compute there? I mean, how does – and there's also – I mean, we've gone through the public land sell-off and all that stuff. How does all that stuff compute when you say, like, look, the outdoor rec economy is 5.1%.
1: So I think that, you know, and but this is exactly the conversation that we're having with people that is resonating with those folks that might someone might say is traditionally not not necessarily for recreation. But these are the this is the these are the numbers. This is the information. This is the data, the statistics that they need. And in the language that they understand that will help that. And it's it's a you know, it's a constant education Also I've noticed, which is very interesting. So Montana, and I can, I'll speak for Montana as I can, you know, I'm from Montana. I, people have told me I'm embedded like a tick in in this state. I am one of the most rabid supporters and cheerleaders for this state and the recreation economy. But recreation is such a part of who a Montanan is, no matter where you're from geographically in the States, no matter what your background, it is an integral portion. And we've done many surveys for our statewide comprehensive outdoor, you know, outdoor recreation in, um, sorry, (laughs) SCORP statewide comprehensive outdoor recreation plan. Um, we've done numerous, I mean, just, you know, decades actually of surveys and Montanans rank recreation um, in some communities, like Whitefish, where I live, they rank recreation above family, above work, above religion. That is the the like order of importance. Of you know, recreation who we are as individuals and core to us. But when you go to many portion, many areas of the state, much very rural parts of the state, and you say, "Hey, do you recreate?" They look at you and they're like, "No, I don't. I'm not one of those recreationists." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait you, you, so you're telling me you don't recreate?" Well, no. I'm like, well, but so I see your formula over there. Do you like, well, yeah, we go all over with that. Okay. Um, And you like just go for rides. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so but you and you hunt, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've been hunters our whole lives. So that's recreation. No, that's not recreation. That is what we do. It's so there's it's just so like, it's just so part of the fabric of of who we are and like how we've been brought up generationally that so much of what we do people don't see that as being part of this economy that actually does need to be supported that does need to have have a serious look taken at it okay how do we help to keep this healthy and vibrant it is it is symbiotically meshed with so many other sectors of the economy um and so I think that is part of this conversation is, is literally simply educating people. Okay. What do we consider the outdoor recreation economy? You are a part of it. If you didn't think you were a part of it, welcome, welcome to the club. Just pull up a chair. Let's all talk about what we like. Cause oftentimes, you know, this group over here is interested in talking about this and then you got climbers talking about that. And then you got these people there and blah, 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 blah. You say everybody. Okay. Well, shush, shush. And then you elevate the conversation about five feet off the floor. We're all talking about the exact same things. We're all caring about the exact same things, and so it's just really framing up this conversation in a much different way. Um, so that's a lot of what I see.
0: No, no, okay. You you kind of touched on a good point there. Um, like taking out your toy hauler with your with your ATVs in it. That is outdoor recreation even if you don't consider yourself to be like the backpacker or the climber or whatever right um, but what about within the groups um because mountain bikers want access to everything they want to they want to you know my son would you know Owen and he wouldn't now but at one point he was like open the Bob Marshall up to mountain biking that would be awesome you know 'cause he's so into mountain biking, right? Um, likewise climbers have a little bit different thing and it's not it's not dissimilar to what goes on within the hunting community too. I mean, some people, you know, view hunting as one thing. Some people are like, no, I don't use bait or anything. That's not the way I hunt, right? Yep. I you know, so how do you how do you put those things together and get them to be cohesive.
1: It really, and and this is, this is part of what, you know, my office and so many other people all over the country are working on. You do have, so the fabric that is recreation, like everything in there is such a diverse, broad mix of interest uses everything right if you look at you know like if you go to my website or if you go to outdoor industry association you know and what you what we classify or you know bureau of economic analysis what we classify as recreation is just this like massive list and we all have our little thing right we um although I, much more anymore especially in our northern states there's no such thing as like a one-trick pony like we all have so many like i have so many active i have so many hobbies and activities and recreation styles and things i like to do i I cannot find even enough time to do that. But it's it's helping everybody. It's educating each other really first and foremost because oftentimes you do see a pile of user conflict. That is something that you see a lot. Our fishing game agencies, our recreation management agencies within our states, our federal land managers see so much of this and you have these competing interests. And yes, a lot of times these competing interests on the ground are in conflict and they're arguing over one little tiny thread of something and you say, okay, I understand. I identify that, yes, this is a problem for you. We, we understand from your point of view. Okay. Yep. We understand from your point of view, but let's stop this conversation and let's elevate it to 35,000 other things that could really impact your ability to do what you want to do right now. And so it really is, we need to elevate that conversation and look at like, hey, What is it that benefits us all? And what is it that threatens us all? So let's elevate the conversation to that point. Identify where where we see eye to eye and work on things. If we can make sure that that foundation is strong, vibrant, and we then can look at the little tiny itty bitty things to really complain about, we've won, this is great. Like we we have it taken care of. But yes, I understand the user conflict is a real challenge For me, I'm focusing in my state, Um, there is a document actually that was produced by the Montana Wildlife Society um, almost 20 years ago, and it's called the, the Effects of Recreation on Rocky Mountain Wildlife. And that is a document that needs to be updated with all of the new information, scientific information and facts and data out there. But at least we need to start going to spaces where we can have a conversation from some sort of a joint level of understanding. Um, and I, I also find um, we, we need to do a better job of, instead of like talking at each other and arguing about things, is really trying to educate and listen. And I know that that's way easier said than done, right? Like it, it, in some situations it does, it does work, but I can speak, you know, I'm an avid hunter, love hunting, love angling. Hunters and anglers at the turn of the century, um, we almost lost everything. And so the North American model of conservation was really built out of hunters and anglers and other folks, right? Like we almost lost everything. We fought super hard. We worked really hard to, you know, bring wildlife back, to have space and access like we do. And what's amazing is that this recreation opportunity, like there are so many, what I would call infantile forms of recreation. They're out there passionate, loving what they're doing but they don't have the knowledge or the history of what they have, how they got it in the condition that they have it. So many of those folks just don't understand the broad background behind that. And so oftentimes I think if someone's arguing at something, you know, for something that's very selfishly for their specific interest in use, Oftentimes, if you're able to basically say, well, here, let me educate you on how you even got to have this trail access point right here to begin with. Let's talk about, you know, all the hard battles that were fought, all the blood, sweat, tears and money that were put into this. And we are happy that you want to. That was my bird dog. I'm sorry. My bird dog is squeaking his toy over here next to me.
0: It's all right. I have Um, two bird dogs here.
1: (laughs) Mine's a puppy. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really like helping everyone understand, like, look, we all, you know, and so because that is often it's like, oh, it's just everybody's like, oh, don't change it the way it is. Well, no, no, no. Let's please understand, like, it wasn't always this way. And let's understand, you know, how we got to this point, because clearly you think this is amazing. You think this is great. We all want more, more, more. But let's have a broader um, conversation and really educate each other.
0: Yeah, there was, you know, case in point, there was a few years ago I posted something on my social media that was very pro-wilderness, right? And I got feedback from people that were, you know, complaining about, they basically were saying, screw wilderness, I can't take my ATV there, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if you look at my area, there's, you know, there's a, a pretty big swath of land that is, mostly national forest wilderness with some BLM I was like there's numerous ATV routes that go across and through right and as much as and I'm totally fine with you riding your ATV on those routes but as much as you have the right to have routes through these gorgeous places I have the right to go in places that are m- pretty much unencumbered by you know modern man you know, they're they're pretty much, much closer to the way they were hundreds of years ago. Oh, by the way, a quick update. Dennis just sent you an update for the podcast to reschedule. <laughs> this, is <laughs> going, this is going to be our let's make fun of Dennis podcast. Anyone want to make fun Too of late. him? Anyone got anything? Um, so I told him, never mind. We're already on the podcast. So um, anyway, so what about things like there used to be areas like, okay, I'll take a uh, I'll take an example. There's a couple beautiful hikes around here, right? And maybe 10 years ago, Backpacker Magazine put a photo of campsite from there and it said, camp there now, camp here now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now it's probably less busy at a lot of shopping malls to go there. Um, so I don't frequent that area very much. And that's happened two or three times. Um, that they rate something one well, of the top hikes in North America or what. And all of a sudden, there's drove tons of people there. Um, so I personally am like, from the conservationist part of me, right? And the business owner part of me says, hey, this is good stuff. People being involved, right? Mm-hmm. They learn to love it, right? The selfish part of me is like, oh, I got to go find somewhere else now. You know, and then I find a cool area, and I'm like, not telling anybody, not even posting photos.
1: <laughs> right? No, there's a, so there's a time and a space and a place for everything. Um, just like you said, it, it, it's great. Um, you know, there's motorized, there's non-motorized, there's vertical trails, there's horizontal trails, there's. I guess when we when people want to get into the weeds on that, I do like to elevate the conversation to say, wow, do you realize how lucky we are to be even having the conversation that we have over 600 million acres plus access to other spaces, places, and land to even have the conversation to begin with? Because this is not a luxury that almost any other place in the world has. So there is a time and a space and a place for everything. And I, like I said, have a problem with gear. I have too much of it. No, there's no such thing. Let's be clear. There's no such thing. Um, But, you know, we all have such diverse interests and no, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that that everything should be everywhere all the time, because that's what we are, we're, we're, we have the luxury of having all of these different areas to work with. But then also, when you just talked about it, it's you know, this is monumentally amazing how many people even right now, kind of in the midst of this whole COVID pandemic, too, so many people are getting out, even if it's just walking on local trails, front country recreation people. I was just out this weekend with my camper. I have never seen so many people in my life out in these areas, camping with their friends, camping with their family. I literally was jaw dropping. The person that I was with just looked at me and he glared at me and he goes, clearly you're doing a good job at your job, aren't you? And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. wait a minute. Yes, yes, we are doing an amazing job, but um, it's, you know there it's also a conversation that we have to have too you know it's like you know our recreation opportunities whether it's a campground whether it's a boating access with parking spaces they were built to a certain capacity does that capacity mean that that's the carrying capacity for that space or that place or does it mean that we need to expand opportunity and so it's this balancing act because anybody that says by the way i i would promote that we end the conversation, and I'm constantly doing this. There's no such thing as a consumptive versus a non-consumptive user. I think that's a very old passe way of talking about people who hunt and fish being consumptive versus people who hike and bird watch and do all of these things as non-consumptive because every recreationist has an impact in some way, shape, or form whether it's the person that's walking on the trail versus the person that's biking on the trail, we all are having an impact. And whether it's our presence around wildlife, whether it's the emissions we give off, whether it's the noise that we make, whether it's the disruption of this. So we, are, we all have an impact. And so if we're talking about outdoor recreation as part of this economy, we are a renewable and a sustainable sector of this economy. But it also means that, you know, you know, we, there are some places in this, you know, country where great, you can't float this river unless you have a permit, like there is a carrying capacity of things. And this leads us to talk about carrying capacity as it relates to quality of experience versus opportunity to catch a fish versus like, these are all hard, tough conversations. And the reason that they're so dang hard is because we are so in love and we are so passionate about these spaces and the opportunity to do these things. If we were talking about a blacktop parking lot in the middle of town, you'd be hard pressed to get two people to show up to talk about and give a flying rat's hooey about this. Right. But We're talking about some of the most awe inspiring, life-changing monumental uh, feelings and experiences in people. And this is why we're so impassioned and we are so, um, vocal and we want to just argue and fight and and do all of these things i mean i guess there's worse problems to have um than being involved in something that's so passion and feeling evoking and driven you know
0: agreed i mean i i i posted something a couple days ago that i love being in places that just make me feel small and insignificant you know Um, Or you could catch the
1: brook trout like I caught this last weekend and feel very large.
0: (laughs) I I actually love catching the high-country brookies too. Um, Sorry, I teased. It's a little early for me to go because most of the lakes probably are just starting to melt out. And they're going to be the skinniest, most pathetic little brook trout you catch. you got to (laughs) wait until about the end of July when they fatten up a little bit. Then I I throw them back most of the time anyway. So, um, but yeah,
1: you said you like to be in spaces that make you feel small, and and you so you love and I, I we've known each other for a while. There's a reason mm-hmm. that Seek Outside exists. And uh, thank you, Hal, for chiming in. I <coughs> hey, no, you go away. Um, so you know you we you know we talk about you know you love you, you know there are seek teepees and products because of the passionate lifestyle that you yeah. live in. These are products that are driven that way. And, and we enjoy that. And I am an equal opportunity enjoyer of many, many things, but, you know, and then there's those people that are like, I love recreating, but their backcountry, their wilderness where they feel small is the municipal trail system. That's a mile loop right behind their house. And we all have these different levels that make us feel, you know, that, that, that is our, that is our back country, that is our recreation opportunity. And, and, um, and so that's, you know, part of the conversation.
0: Right. And you made, you made a comment just a couple minutes ago about consumptive versus non-consumptive. Right. And, and I agree. And you could, you could even go further and say that, you know, the, I call, let's just say I'm not a non-consumptive. I don't fit in that at all. Um, But let's say, but I mean, there's a lot of cattle grazing and stuff that goes on in these areas as well, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you could be a, you could show up and wearing your little t-shirt saying, I'm non-consumptive. But then you go eat a burger who really was sourced, you know, right up there with the cattle grazing. So, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's why I, I think we should just do away with all that. I mean, we have we all have so much more in common than we than we do differences really when you break it down. And I think as this conversation goes on, like we're not gonna solve any of this overnight. We're not going to, you know, this is this is not this quick thing. This is an ever evolving, you know, conversation and understanding each other and educating each other and it's ever evolving. Um but you know these are the conversations that we can have and and find so much more common um, than not.
0: Yeah. So you're back to your role that you that mm-hmm. you do your day job, yeah. right? Is it is it highly political? I mean, did you find yourself like wow, I have to be a politician now or are you really able to be yourself? I mean, at some, at some level it seems within corporate structures or other things things turn in from turn from more of doing something right to, to that. Wow. I'm just kind of trying to make everyone get along and, you know, check, check these boxes and all this. So where does your role sit in that?
1: No. So this is, um, so for those people that know me, I, um, yeah, I am who I am. I don't think I can ever be morphed into something differently, which is super <laughs> funny. But you talk about so and okay, so this is the beauty about recreation. It doesn't matter what political party you belong to. Right. It doesn't matter all sorts of things. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. We are we all are recreating and we all oftentimes very different demographics cross paths and meet on a on a trout stream. Or we meet at a bar stool after an amazing hunt. And you might be a multi-bajillionaire over here with one political party persuasion here. And you might be kind of, you know, very working class, not a lot of money, saved up money for this weekend trip sitting over there, but you don't have a clue. And you might be even be wearing the same camo and you belly right. up to a bar together and you start having this conversation about what you love and the experience that you just had. And so it's no different, like recreation is, and, and we talk, we've been talking about this for years, but for a long time, this is, you know, this is where kind of we can let that stuff go. This is good for everyone. This benefits everyone. This is something we all should be able to get behind and support each other on. Um, And so I've been, super lucky that no i mean you the the amazing collaborative work in montana I mean, I kind of, I've always just said, okay, so I'm kind of like the oxyclean clean and the washing machine, right? Like there's the washing machine and there's the studs and there's all this hard work and there's all these amazing things being done in every single agency and everybody touches recreation in some way. How do we identify that and how do we build on it? How do we make more of this goodness or where do we identify these roadblocks? that for no apparent reason, but maybe no one even knew, is creating a problem for this recreation opportunity. And it's not just about enabling industry. It's not just about the experiential. It's also about everyday life. It's about communities using recreation to encourage rec- or, um, economic diversification, whether it's amenities for people who live there, whether it's opportunity for visitation. And so it's it, it just like, no matter how you slice it i'm gonna if someone wants to come at me with uh oh this is not good in some way shape or form i can go and i will go toe to toe with you and explain to you actually i do believe that you're wrong let me help and show you how and why um and so i've been blessed and you know i honestly i don't even know like how i could have come into this i'm not i'm not when i told everybody i was gonna when governor bullock asked me if if I would come work for him and do this. They were like, oh, I don't know, Rach. I never really kind of got you pegged for a government job. You know, like I'm just a little bit out there. Um, Not really an inside the box kind of a gal. Um, But this has been in a tremendous place, you know, for those of us who are coming into these states and starting offices of outdoor recreation, this is a blank canvas. And this was an opportunity for me to come in and create something that was that is good for Montana, for the here and now and the space and place we're in, that can then grow and morph and support the state as it evolves, as it changes. And so it's not often you get the opportunity to come in and, and prop up something that's so positive from every angle. Um, and it's the same in every state. And now it's an arms race to see who can have the coolest and best you know, Office of Outdoor Recreation around the company. It's all or around the country. It's awesome. You know, it's, um, and so yeah, I'm sure you have
0: to rank high there.
1: It's, it's, well, I like to say that Montana is better than everywhere else because it is clearly. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And also for me personally, coming into the job, you know, a lot of people have said like, well, how, you know, what path can I take to, you know, do this work? Or it's like, well, Hello. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah,
0: go go ahead.
1: Um, So for me, you know, all of the, you know, all of the different directors out there, we have like all these really amazing, eclectic, diverse backgrounds. And pretty much there's one common thread that rides through everything. We are all some sort of river rat, dirtbag style live in lift operator, you know, at our core, out of college, like guides or just river, you know what I mean? Like there's all this, like this, like foundation core. <laughs> it <laughs> it, it
0: seems to words. go counter against the whole, um, political, political working in politics. Yes.
1: Know? Yes. And I'm sure, I mean, some of the things that I say, I'm sure people look at me and go, can she really say that? Or, <laughs> you know, like, but you know but we're being true to the the sector of the economy that we're working for we all come from broad backgrounds within the economy i have like this super weirdo diverse you know background from the time i was you know old enough to tag along with my dad hunting before i could even hunt then I was, you know, I grew up in Whitefish, Montana, some of the most amazing skiing in the country in my backyard, just assumed everybody had a ski hill like that in their backyard. You know, I was surrounded by one of the first wild and scenic river systems in the country. I, you know, my dad was a guide, a whitewater guide, a fishing guide, a hunting guide. Um, you know, we're constantly out recreating. I was an avid hunter. I was a competitive rifle shooter. My ultimate passion really in life is fly fishing to the point where I collect fly tattoos on my back Um, I, you know, started working in fly shops when I was not even old enough to really pull a a paycheck legally. I do it for flies and gear. Um, and so, you know, it's, I, I just, and, you know, I, most recently I was eight years in the firearms industry. I'm just, you know, just super in love with firearms and shooting and hunting and, Um, and then, but I was also in the ski industry and worked in, you know, to promote the ski industry and adventure, you know, kind of stuff like that. So it's this like really random eclectic mix, but it's, you know, understanding like from a user's perspective and the passion that you feel, and then from the passion you feel that some people will take into a business. And then, you know, you said, this is like the epitome of of small town America businesses, main street businesses, whether it's your retailers, your manufacturers. Yes, there's some overseas, but you know, by and large it's it's this is what it means to be a small business owner in in the United States.
0: Yeah, no. Um that's interesting. You just you just kind of brought up the overseas thing. Um what are your thoughts on on a backpack tax. Okay, we've talked about on hunting, there's Pittman-Robertson mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, there's been occasionally, some people have said, well, maybe the rec people should put something into the into the kitty, right? But then, and you also mentioned Outdoor Industry Rec Association earlier. And I know on their site, they are specifically against some sort of, the, the name for the backpack tax, right? Um, because they say our stuff, is mostly made overseas and then it gets tariffed coming in but it's like that really isn't something that seems like it's going to help uh, facilitate these wild places um, like Pittman-Robertson does
1: well so here's and I and it's really important to even have the conversation and you really have to have a really amazing working knowledge of what Pittman-Roberts Dingle johnson is how it works Follow the track and the trail of every penny to understand when it was created, how it was created, by who, for what reason, and then kind of follow through it. So anybody who is willing, who doesn't understand it to to that intricacy, but wants to have a working knowledge of the conversation, it is absolutely worth, you know, an hour, two hour long you know, listen in on whether it's a podcast dealing with it, or if it's papers, videos, you name it, because it was very artfully crafted when it when it was created for the different reasons, you know, you've got the shooting side of things, the fishing side of things and, and why it for for what it is, that is a very brilliant, brilliant way to really, um, you know, uh, create this funding structure, right? Um, and so it is a great model for certain things. It is undeniable that it has absolutely funded a lion's share of what historically has gone on for wildlife conservation. And, and so it is an absolute viable way if another sector of the outdoor recreation industry decides that, and you have to understand, those are taxes on manufacturers, a manufacturer is paying that tax. Of course, ultimately the consumer is going to pay for that tax. But it is absolutely one tool in the toolbox, if so inclined, for any sector of the economy to want to join in and or pay more. However, it absolutely is not a silver bullet because there is no longer a silver bullet in this conversation. Um, it, is, it could be... a. It could be a pellet in a shotgun shell full of BB, right? Like it's just, it's going to be a part of the conversation. So there probably are many other forms. If segments, if, if, if manufacturing segments of the sea economy want to participate like that segment of the industry wants to participate doors open, options open, if that's something that they're so inclined to do, but there's many other things we have. And it is, it's a fabric of how this works. There's a lot of what goes on is a user pay system. You have hunters and anglers who have bought license, um, licenses, tags, permits, you know, conservation tags, waterfowl stamps, you name it, right? You have You have the users who are not only purchasing the equipment that have already been taxed, they're then paying for, so there's this. Manufacturing paying in, there's users paying in. Then there's also the talk of that, yeah, we just got done talking for 10 minutes about how this industry and the people that are in it are taxed by state and federal governments. Okay, well, what are our taxes supposed to do? Our taxes are supposed to go to support infrastructure, to support all of the work, or, you know, all of the, the spaces and places that our economy functions. And so, are we Spending enough of those tax dollars collected to maintain and support that? Are we giving our state and federal agencies the appropriate amount to go and maintain those, those? Um, I want to say, but the experiences like we expect them to do it? And I would argue that probably not. No, because we're not looking at it in that way. And so it's not just about, hey, you you need to pay in and it's going to be a magical fix that we're all going to be hunky door and we're never going to have to worry about money again and everything's going to, no, that's that's not realistic. And so I think that the that, that opportunities are endless for those people who want or those businesses that want or et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I think working knowledge of, of, There is, it is an undeniable fact that hunting hunters and anglers by and large are responsible for creating the fabric of this, of the infrastructure that we all call our opportunity. Mm -hmm. In Montana, we have some of the best stream access laws in the country. We've got over 170,000 miles of streams and rivers to go recreate on. And we have, I believe, I'm gonna botch it, about 400 locations. I probably got that wrong about 400 locations could be more around the state that are called fishing access sites. Well, are they really fishing access sites anymore? When they were put in, most people were probably going to go out and fish or duck hunt or whatever, but then you have, you know, the, the river runners of the 70s and 80s that came in and now we're all rafting and we're all, you know, we're out wakeboarding now, we're out paddleboarding now, we're out tubing now. And so we have this diverse user group, like what percentage of the people of, that are using these water access sites, which they're full fishing access sites, they should really be called water recreation access sites. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a perfect system um but we definitely i mean it's undeniable from every angle we we need to definitely be supporting what we expect and and we are all we all own these things jointly these are all joint opportunities whether they be state or federal um you your forest service land in Colorado is just as much mine as it is yours mm-hmm. and so it's and it's just as much um you know Joe Smith that lives in the middle of Los Angeles, California. That's never set foot out of downtown concrete, Los Angeles. It's just as much his as well. We all live in different places, and we choose to live there for different reasons. But you jointly own that, and just because you're not there, doesn't mean you don't have a right or you don't have the the um, the responsibility to take care of it. Um, so you know that's it's it's complicated so- but beautiful. <laughs>
0: So, so now w- one last question. Um, yeah. As part of your role, um, well, actually two. Is your and this one's a quick question? Is your role subject to political change? By um, a new so- governor.
1: Um, yeah, so um, all the states, like I said, we're all structured a little bit differently, but I, my Office of um, Outdoor Recreation is located in the Governor's Office of Economic Development because we do focus on the economic needs of segments of the industry. And so when, you know, I basically work for Governor Bullock's administration. And so okay. when he is done and he is termed out, um, the incoming governor will pick a person to be in that role as well.
0: And it could be you or it could be someone else. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, Then the other question is, as part of all this economic stuff, is there any part that is recruitment to let's get more people out? Or are you just dealing with the natural numbers of what's going on and you aren't dealing with anything that is recruitment of people?
1: I deal with recruitment on many levels. So whether it would be business recruitment, for economic impact in the state, mm-hmm. or whether it is recruitment of participation, absolutely um, recruitment of all sorts of kinds. But you know, for example, you know, my uh, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks—they're really focused right now on the R three conversation: the recruitment, mm-hmm. retention, reactivation. And so I am working with them as often as they need me. Like, how can I help with this conversation? What can I do to help deliver some different tools? for you all to work with and so absolutely um participation for sure
0: awesome awesome so how can people get in contact with you or find out more um yeah you
1: you bet you can find out more about what i do or any of my counterparts in the states that have offices of outdoor recreation um you literally can basically do a quick Google search, the you know Montana Office of Outdoor Recreation, it'll take you to my page, um, or with any state that has one, you can also go to a web page called the Confluence of States. And you can learn more about, you know, every state that has an Office of Outdoor Recreation that is part of the Confluence Accords, which is a common belief system, I guess you would say goal system that we all have together. Um, and if you'd like to find more out about me and my amazing life, that is better than your vacation. Um, you are welcome to go to Instagram. I'm at MT it's Montana Ray, right? M T R A E R A E. or just search Rachel Schmidt and you'll find me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank and you'll you. Yeah. Awesome.
1: My, uh, my kids obsessed. Of course, I've, of course I've got to seek TP um, and we pack it with us everywhere. Uh, but that's our new thing is like, he's like, mom, we're not doing the tent anymore. We're only doing the teepee. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So <laughs> you'll, you'll be proud that my 11 year old is, is hauling the teepee around all over the state with us.
0: Awesome. And, and I know if Hal is like my pointer, um, he will love the tent. You know, my pointer is born for sleeping in tents. So.
1: Yes, he already. He the other day he figured out. Oh wait, I can crawl under here if mom doesn't put it down too tight. This is great. Yep. I'm like, oh, that's ex- great.
0: <laughs> that, that's exactly what mine does. And I know. uh I don't know if you know who Michael Cravens is. He has a young pointer as well, and his pointer's always out in his tent and stuff too. Yeah, that's so, no, awesome. Yeah. No,
1: that's our that's our bird camp base camp. So I'm pretty stoked about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you for joining today.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And just give a shout if I can get you guys any more information or you want to talk about anything else.
0: Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Take care. Hey, everyone. Real quick before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. And If you've been enjoying what you're hearing, please leave us a review wherever you find your podcast. Thank you.